Do you know the difference between being stressed out and actually being burned out? Well, coming up next on the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast, I am talking to Paula Davis, author of Beating Burnout at Work and fellow positive psychology coach. And we're going to talk about three specific components to being burned out, why more people are burned out than ever, and the tiny noticeable things you can do to get your energy back. This episode of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast is brought to you by SWA, the Successful Women's Academy. That's my personal growth membership where I help you month by month with personal growth lessons, action plans, meditations, and even live Q&A on Zoom to help you grow in the ways you need to grow in order to get to your most meaningful goals. Just go to ValerieBurton.com forward slash SWA for details. All right, let's dive into this episode. Our guest today, I'm so excited about because I, gosh, I don't even know how long it's been that we first met. It's probably, it's well, it's over a dozen years. I know that much and I know the reason for that. Um, But it's Paula Davis and Paula Davis is the founder of the Stress and Resilience Institute and she's got a new book I love. It's out from Wharton School Press called Beating Burnout, Why Teams Hold the Secret to Well-Being and Resilience. Her company is a training and consulting firm that partners with organizations, helping them reduce burnout and build resilience. And she's a former lawyer. In fact, that's what she was doing when I met her back in the 2000s. I can't believe we're in the 2020s now. (laughs) But uh, she has gone through the same grad program I went through, the Master's in Applied Positive Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania and has done all sorts of just amazing things. And she's been featured in some of the top publications and media outlets like the New York Times and Oprah Magazine and the Washington Post. And she's a contributor to Forbes and Fast Company. I'm so proud of you, Paula, for so many reasons. But one of them is because I've seen this journey unfold from being in a different career to you thriving in this new career, being an author, positive psychology, the coaching, all of that stuff. So welcome to the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast. Thank you, Val, for having me. I'm so excited. We got to connect some dots too about about how we connected because I think it is, there's a very much um, everything happens for a reason, I think, aspect to our story and our connection. Ah, you connect the dots because I don't even remember how we first connected. Yes. So I was in the middle of my year of distress. <laughs> um, it, it turned out to be the last year of my law practice because I was burning out and I didn't know really what that meant or what it was, what the term burnout really entailed. I just knew that I wasn't processing or handling anything about my work or stress the way that I had at other points in my career and even prior to that um, in law school and other in other respects. And so Um, I was really struggling and I was trying to figure out what was the next step for me going to be. I sort of kind of was able to get to the point of thinking it wasn't going to be in the legal profession anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then trying to put all of those pieces together was was really an overwhelming task, um, especially going through through what I know now is burnout. And so um, 
what I ended up doing, I, I was in the airport and I can't remember where I was going or, or what I was, yeah, obviously I was flying to or from somewhere. And I picked up, <laughs> picked up an issue of Success Magazine and I was flipping through it and there was an article in there by you. And oh. I saw, yes. And I saw your, your bio and it, and, it, and she's, it, she's a coach and, you know, helping people, you know, figure out like, you know, all realm, you know, manner of coaching that you were doing at that point. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about her, but I'm going to, I want to talk to her. Like I need, I need to have a chat with her, if nothing else, to let her know sort of how I'm stuck and how I need to potentially like get unstuck and move in a, in a different direction. And so I reached out to you and you were the one, you were just, I believe, finishing up or in the middle of the master's program at Penn, the positive psychology program. Yep. And when you mentioned that, it was just the key that unlocked everything for me because my undergrad is in psychology. I love everything about psychology, but I didn't want to continue on my studies or to get a PhD in the sort of the mental illness side of psychology, yep. which is all that really existed back when I was finishing um, college. And so when you said positive psychology, I'm like, what is positive psychology? Like there's a thing, like what? And you, you, it was the, it was really that door that just kicked wide open. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's so cute. I've been sort of like just follow, following in your footsteps since then. So, you know, went to the program and then we did the army training, you know, different points in time, but we, you know, we, we went, and did, you know, some of that work, you know, for the University of Pennsylvania after our studies were done. Yeah. And, um, and so the rest, as they say, is history. And, and, and so that was really the, the moment or the meeting that really galvanized and unlocked everything. That's amazing because I remember us coaching together and I remember yeah. you saying, hey, I want to do that. And so this must have been around 2007 or 2008. Um, yes. Because I, I finished that program in 08. And did you finish the year after me? So I think it was 2008, 2009 or so. It was both of those years, I think, because we, we worked together for a while. And I started the program in 2009 and finished in 2010. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm like actually really proud of that, of the fact that, that, <laughs> that I was the connector for you in, uh, yes. in positive psychology. But this whole idea that you were at a point of feeling burned out as a lawyer, interestingly, in my years of coaching, the most common profession of my clients has been uh, law. I have had so many uh, attorney clients over the years for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. but I think it's interesting that you're pointing out that you were at that point in your career where you were feeling burned out. And a lot of people use that term in mm -hmm. a kind of a loose way. And so what I, I wanted to make sure we talked about today is, you know, we're so many of us are tired, exhausted, and more likely burned out for a lot of reasons, but the pandemic has certainly added to it. Mm -hmm. How do you know the difference between just being stressed out and actually being burned out? That's a fantastic question. And I love right away that you're punctuating a theme that I talk about a lot and where we tend to go wrong with this conversation, which is we use the term burnout interchangeably with just everyday stress, with feeling yeah. exhausted, overwhelmed, overloaded, languishing, bummed out, tired. And it's not a it's not a it's not a wholly interchangeable term to use with any of those other words. And so we have to think about both stress and burnout on their own continua or on separate con on, on continuums. 
Um, and think about there's a whole range of places that we can be when we feel stressed. We can just be having a bad day. We could, you know, be, you know, out driving in the middle of traffic and get frustrated, you know, very quickly at somebody. We could just be overloaded or feeling stressed out at work for a variety of reasons. There's a whole host of things that can cause us to feel stressed. But when you when you are crossing over into something that looks like burnout, there's really three big dimensions that you need to pay attention to. And so the mm. first one is feeling a sense of chronic exhaustion, physical and emotional yeah. exhaustion. And so we all have tired days and weeks. And it's this sense, though, day in and day out that this this just, again, this exhaustion, this tiredness isn't leaving you. So is that, that was like, mm-hmm. is that like, I, I think about Paula, you know, I became, I really sense I became burned out as a PR person. I was running a mm-hmm. PR firm years ago. And but I, the passion, like it wasn't there. It was a lot of work. I didn't, people would ask for proposals and I'd be like, uh, more uh, business, yeah. which makes no sense when you're an <laughs> entrepreneur. Right? <laughs> it's the opposite reaction you want. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would wake up and not want to get up and do mm-hmm. what I needed to do that day. Is that the level of exhaustion that you're talking about? Yes. And I mean, I think it shows up a little bit differently with each person, but that's ultimately, you know, where, where it starts to go. And so for me, it was, um, it was certainly all of that, but like, I love my friends and I spent so much time during that time period playing co-ed softball and, you know, co-ed football and sports with my friends and hanging out with them. And every, every thought of just going to a softball game felt like it was the biggest effortful thing that I, um, that I could do. And so Mm. instead of feeling joyful about things that I was typically joyful about, everything was just such a drag. And really the only thing that I felt like effortful enough to do was to sit on the couch and watch bad reality television. That's like literally (laughs) what I wanted to do because I'm like, this is where, and and every time it's where I wanted my recovery, right? It's where I thought Mm. I felt that I would get a sense of like recharge and it never, it never happened because I was looking in the wrong, in the wrong direction. So, and I wonder if that then contributes to even worse feelings because you're thinking, look at me sitting here, wasting time watching this terrible show like like at the end of the day it doesn't recharge you it doesn't nurture you the way that you need it no and there's there's some interesting research really pointing in that direction so there's a lot of research talking about how we need to have that sense of detachment from work Uh, Mm -hmm. And that low effort activities like watching television really aren't replenishing or restorative or give us that sense of detachment that we that we truly need. So. um, So, yeah, so it was was wrong on a a lot of levels. But (laughs) a second big dimension, uh, you know, so a lot of people, I think, focus when I ask audiences, what's a word or a phrase that comes to mind for you when you hear the word burnout? Most people say something in the exhaustion, tired, overwhelmed, overloaded, you know, sort yes. of thing. But what a lot of people don't realize is that there's other pieces to the puzzle. And so the second big dimension that folks have to pay attention to or warning sign is chronic cynicism. So it's this notion that everyone bothers you, everyone annoys you, everyone <laughs> bugs you, and you're sitting at your desk or you're sitting in your workplace and you're thinking to yourself, I know I'm doing 110% here and I just don't know why everybody else isn't pulling their weight. And you can mm-hmm. you know, get very short-tempered with people and judgmental with people and, um, you know, that- That that's is interesting. Cynicism. Yes. That cynicism- so Yep. It's the cynicism, the negativity that you, th- these people are irritating me is a sign of burnout beyond the, when you're talking about that distinction between just being really stressed and just being burned out is it's exhaustion plus 
this cynicism, and I guess that really stands out if you're not a very cynical person, but you find yourself suddenly constantly feeling that sense of irritation. Yes. And I, and I'm not a cynical person at all. And even being in the legal profession, you know, where where I feel like cynicism (laughs) is, is like what you just do on a daily basis. You know, even other lawyers were starting to look at me like, wow, what's going on with her? Because she seems really, Mm -hmm. you know, either annoyed or, or what have you. And and I think that's one of the hardest things because we try to hide it. And that's um, one of the hardest aspects of burnout to, to really try to mask because we think we're doing a lot of internal eye rolling. And oftentimes when it gets to the point (laughs) of burnout, and, and I've, I've, people have shared stories with me that, you know, others, you know, have pulled them aside and, and have said, you know, look, those internal eye rolls, we can actually see that. Like, we're yeah, noticing yeah. that. Like, is everything it's okay? out of you as you talk, <laughs> walk, You're not whatever. hiding it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're okay. not hiding it anymore. And so so those two things then tend to lead to the third kind of warning sign or dimension, which the research calls inefficacy. I just call it the why bother, who cares, right? So it's that mm. it's that leading to that, you know, you're not going to listen to my advice anyway, so why am I, why, why are we talking? Like, you're not going to mm. follow my instructions or directions, so this is really a waste of time. I'm starting to question the meaning and the impact that you're making in your work. Um, you start to feel disconnected from what you're doing and... Um, and I certainly was was definitely at that point. So it's all three of wow. those pieces to earn the word burnout, because oftentimes, again, we just laser focus in on the exhaustion piece and think that's all burnout is. It's all three of those pieces. And it's chronic. Right. So we all have moments where we're annoyed with people and our clients and, you know, what have you. And we all have moments where we're exhausted. And that can be for a period of time. But it's this like I can't shake it feeling that, you know, kind of goes for a period of time that you want to pay attention to. Yeah. And I love, you know, that last one, it made me think of something and I don't want to add this in if it's not, if it, if it doesn't fit, but it makes me think of, um, Marty Seligman's work on learned helplessness. Yes. This idea that nothing I do matters. And I'd not thought about it, about that as being connected with our work and burnout. Where you just feel like, why do anything? Why why am I trying? Because, you know, what you fill in the blank, it could be, you know, well, the powers that be aren't going to let us make these changes or, you know, my coworkers aren't, you know, they aren't any good. So <laughs> why should I work so hard on this project? Is that, is there a connection there? That's a really good question. And as soon as you said that, I can absolutely see that I, I can see that that piece of it. And sometimes there is an overlap and sometimes there's a confusion between burnout and depression. And so that pessimistic explanatory style, that learned helplessness yeah. can be very much a component of depression as well. And also, I think because we key in on that exhaustion component, which is also a hallmark or feature of depression, I think sometimes um, this is one of the things that makes burnout pesky, because if we don't know the word for it and we don't understand the workplace roots or drivers of it, we may feel like we're depressed. And so then we go to see a mental health professional. And if we are, we can get an accurate diagnosis and that piece can be addressed but you're not fully addressing the burnout if that's only the piece that you're dealing with because there's the work kind of related component piece that exists as well. So, yeah. so I, I, lo- I love that thought about, about, you know, Marty's, about Marty's work um, kind of tying into that on some level. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking about, you know, we are at about two years mm-hmm. into a global pandemic and when you when I think of what you said on inefficacy, like why bother? Mm-hmm. Um, 
when there's a lot of uncertainty, like, you know, middle of 2021, we thought, ooh, this is coming to an end. We started thinking, you know, that things were really clearing up. People were getting vaccinated. We were starting to see numbers go down. And then Delta came. And then Delta kind of didn't totally, you know, burn out for lack of a better term. But, But before that had kind of petered out, we suddenly here's Omicron. And who knows what the next ones are, right? Because we know variants keep coming. Mm-hmm. And it's tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people would say even exhausting when you add on to it the impact uh, physically, uh, if you've dealt with family members, if you've lost family members, if how you do your work has completely changed. So how do you think that this whole pandemic has made things harder in the workplace or especially for those who are, you know, having to change how they work or the number of people they're able to work with or mm-hmm. how they're actually able to do things. It's been such a monumental shift, but one one sort of piece that I want to make sure is clear for folks as well because I think a lot of leaders who I talk to in particular get this wrong and they think that the pandemic somehow caused this burnout. Like that was the thing that actually Mm -hmm. spurred this on. Um, And all of the statistics that I cite in my book are all pre-pandemic statistics with the burnout rates. And so burnout was actually a, a crisis, quite honestly, before the pandemic hit. And I think what's happened, if there is a silver lining on some level, I think it is the fact that we've all experienced this same set of circumstances, maybe in a variety of different ways, but that we all are going through it and we're all experiencing the stress associated with it, that people have really started to take a step back and start to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's revealed that we were all kind of struggling with a lot of work-related stuff before the pandemic. And now, mm-hmm. now it's just gone to a completely different level. And what the pandemic has ushered in, so if if you could think about a simple formula of what causes burnout, it's that your job demands exceed your job resources. And what we mean by a job demand is anything that takes consistent effort and energy about your work. And a job resource is anything that's motivational and energy giving about your work. So the pandemic has really just scrambled all of that for us. It's added a lot of additional demands to our plates, especially for parents. Uh, it has, you know, added the demand of trying to figure out how to work in a new environment. And we kind of got our arms around that. And then, you know, now we're ushering back into a physical workplace in some respects. And so now we've got to reconfigure what the world of work really looks like for us. And it's really sapped us of a lot of resources. So, uh, you know, I think it's been a struggle for a lot of teams to figure out how do we team in a virtual and hybrid environment. And right. so the resources that we had in terms of just having a stable sense of community and seeing each other and being in each other's presence and that social support, which is so needed, has gone away or has been limited in, in even just general resources in terms of self-care. You know, the gyms were closed for a while and those restaurants right. and places where we would meet up and get some of that community and some of that stress relief went away. And so so, um, so, so I think that's a big part of how the pandemic has really influenced things, and especially, you know, in terms of thinking about it in that demands resources equation. Yeah. So I'm thinking about a couple of things that you said that I want to touch on before we wrap up that were in your book that just caught my eye. Mm -hmm. So one in creating positive change. So, you know, if if you are sitting here listening and you're like, yeah, I I can, I can relate exhaustion plus cynicism plus the inefficacy, the whole why bother, or maybe you're working with people Mm -hmm. who you see those things. 
Um, you say that in creating positive change, we should focus on, you call it TNTs. And mm-hmm. I love that. Tiny, noticeable things. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that's so practical. And I think it's so important to have some practical tools. So what are a couple of practical TNTs that can help people to really increase um, their ability to deal with burnout if they're experiencing it? Yeah. So one of the biggest things we need to think about, especially in times right now, is to lower the bar. So recognizing small wins. So whether this is in our personal life or whether this is at work, um, really starting to be keen to understand like the 1% or 2% ways that, you know, we made it through the day or I finally emailed this particular person and it's been on my to-do list for three weeks. Really, really small successes or wins are one of the best ways for us to feel a sense of progress and motivation. So as you know, that's, you know, Teresa Amabile's work um, around, you know, the the motivation and the well-being that we feel when we know that we're making progress towards something. So um, again, when the end goal keeps getting moved, when we just, you know, we we see the the light at the end of the tunnel and then it keeps getting further away, it seems like um, with all of the variant iterations, Really, you know, boiling it down to those those moments of 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 small success become really important things for us to do. So well, maybe just but, like at the yeah. end of the day, like what what was my you know what was my little win today? <laughs> Sometimes it's a big win, but like acknowledging it, maybe writing it down, talking about it, so that you're acknowledging the ways in which you're moving forward. Yes. One of the ways that I've actually tried to codify this is um, I, I sort of adapted this from an exercise that I saw in Dan Pink's book, When, and I call it the three, two, one way to end your day or the three, two, one way to end your work week. Um, and you can think about this, you know, personally too, if it's, if it's not necessarily, you know, fully tied to work, but take three minutes to think about um, and to write down very intentionally um, ways that you've experienced those small wins and success. So whether you do this on a daily basis or a weekly basis, you know, just, you know, kind of modify it accordingly. So again, tracking those small wins and successes, thinking, taking two minutes to think about, okay, what is my day going to look like tomorrow or next week? What are the things that I really want to focus on? Because it harnesses some intentionality, which is really important. And then taking a minute to thank somebody, to send a note of thanks to somebody who's helped you, who you maybe forgot to thank, you didn't thank enough or thank properly, maybe on the first go around. Um, Because we know that recognition, especially in the workplace context, is a very powerful Um, Lack of it is a very powerful burnout cause. And when you have it enough, it's a very powerful burnout protector. So that's one way that you can come to that. Yes. So I love that. So the three, two, one, and what I'm hearing in that is that you're going to get a boost of positive emotion in that. (laughs) Yes. That's a part of that, that protection, as you call it. Absolutely. Okay. So here's the other thing um, that caught my eye. And I just love the phrase. You talked about humble curiosity. And, you know, as a coach, I'm like, you know, curiosity is so critical for highly effective coaching and for personal growth. We need to be curious about what's going on with um, with ourselves. So what is that? What is humble curiosity and how can we use it to beat burnout and increase our resilience? Yeah. So this is this is one of my favorite phrases. And it it was coined by a colleague of mine. So I have to give a shout out to her. Um, And it really helped me to reframe and think about empathy in a different way, because I, I, I just think the word humble is so important in that phrase. And so yeah. I work with a lot of people who like to listen to fix things as leaders, and they like to listen to win, especially the lawyers who I work with. And and I think it is more effortful and something we don't think about to listen to understand. 
And so especially when it comes to to thinking about, you know, the burnout conversation and how do we address it and deal with it. One of the things that I know certainly from my own story and from interviewing so many people about their own stories with it is that you got to say something at some point. Um, Burnout is something that's going to continue to get worse unless it's dealt with and addressed. And so usually that means having a conversation with somebody about what's going on. And so what I try to encourage people to do, especially leaders who might not understand exactly what all of this entails, is that don't if someone's going to come to you and they're going to open up about a particular issue, don't jump in right away and try to fix the situation. Really start to, I mean, I put some phrases um, in the book around like, you know, help me understand or walk me through. I didn't realize your day was so stressful. Walk me through kind of how your day unfolds so I can get a sense of, of what this looks like for you. Um, tell me more about, or I'm curious about all of these ways to start conversations, minimize defensiveness, and really help mm. to get to a deeper layer or level of understanding so that uh, we harness that sense of empathy and that both sides actually feel like we're we're gaining something, we're learning something about each other through this process rather than immediately. And of course, if you're a leader or you're somebody, you're probably going to jump in with a fix at some point, or you may ask, you know, what, what do you want as the next step perhaps? Um, but it, it sort of diffuses some of those impulses that we have to, to fix things or to, to kind of insert our own opinion or our assumption about something yeah. and instead take a step back in a humble way and really be, say, you know what, I don't know everything. I, I really don't know what, what you're experiencing, but let's have a chat about it. Well, I think that that is um, honestly the key to a lot of not just our personal resilience, but our collective resilience on a societal level. Yes. There's so much division that humble curiosity that, you know, am I listening to win? Am I listening to win the argument? Mm-hmm. Or am I listening to understand where you're coming from? Not, not necessarily to say I think it's the best way, but to say, I'm going to be humble enough to hear you out. <laughs> I'm going to be humble enough to honor um, that you have a perspective too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just super powerful. This is all so, so good. Um, and I just appreciate um the, the kind of the simple ways that you're saying to look at this, the three, two, one, the humble curiosity. So my last question is just, you know, there's so much going on that can feel beyond our control right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you're turning on the news to go, okay, what's <laughs> happening next? <laughs> it's all going down in a fire. Like it's, all, it's what it feels like. In some days, you know, if, especially if you're not intentional about what you're consuming on an everyday basis in terms of your media. Mm-hmm. Um, so when there's a lot of change and uncertainty, is there a key to just to remaining calm, to remaining confident as you as you attempt to move forward with the kinds of things you want to see happen in your work and in your life? So when, when everything feels like, ah, you know, you might feel that sense of inefficacy. Why bother? Mm-hmm. But, you know, deep down, you do want to be bothered because you there are mm-hmm. things you want. For your life, how can you maintain a sense of calm and confidence uh, in the midst of the uncertainty? That's such a fantastic question. And one of the things that I've come back to in terms of our positive psychology work that I have found really important for me, both personally and professionally, is to really be crystal clear on and identify what my values are. So mm-hmm. in a, in my personal realm, in my everyday life, my my the three values that I live by are kindness, courage, and love. And mm-hmm. so it seems as though like when I'm, when I'm feeling like pulled away from 
something, when I'm feeling really stressed about something, when I'm feeling uncertain about something, or I'm just in my mind starting to go into sort of my inner critic thinking, you know, that's sort of the litmus test that I put everything through. Is is like, is this getting me closer to love? Is it, am I exercising courage in doing this? Do I feel like this is a kind way for me to be and to react? And so, um, so those help me out a lot. And I've done the same thing on my business side as well. You know, as I'm looking to kind of grow and expand my business, I really had to think about like, what does my business stand for? What are the core values of my yes. business? Like if somebody were doing these things or not doing these things, how, how would that how would that work in, in my realm? And it helps me, you know, answer questions more easily about work I should take on and what I should say no to. And yeah. um, so I think coming back and getting really clear about the the two or the three sort of North stars that you have. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I don't, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I do, I think what a lot of people do is I come up with a word or a phrase yeah. that I want to govern the year. And it's, again, it's that North star way as, as a check-in for me, that's just very, a, a very deep, way for me to kind of feel that sense of connectedness when everything feels sort of chaotic. Yeah. Paula Davis, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast. So if anyone wants to find you online, where can they find you? Sure. Um, so uh, my website is stressandresilience.com. So there you will be able to you know, buy my book and see my programs and my on-demand content and things of that nature. Um, but also for folks to find me on LinkedIn. So it's my social media you know, going in platform of choice. And so everything new that I post and articles and things like that always starts there. So I would say those are the two best places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me as we talk about how to beat burnout. Woo! And I'm hoping that as we go further into this year, <laughs> we'll see people getting a little bit more in control and maybe this pandemic under control too. Thanks so much, Paula. Yep. Thanks, Val. You know, successful women actually think differently. The research bears this truth out. And one of the ways they think differently is they understand this concept. Where you go in life is largely determined by how you grow. And that's one of the reasons I created the Successful Women's Academy, a personal growth coaching membership with hundreds of women from all over the world. You should check it out. Go to ValerieBurton.com forward slash SWA. And if you found this podcast helpful today, We'd love to hear from you. Just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for joining me. I can't wait to talk to you next time on the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast.